Welcome to the K-12 Food Rescue Podcast. I'm John Williamson, the host of the podcast and founder of K-12 Food Rescue, an organization founded in 2007 committed to empowering people to lead the food is not trash movement in their school districts. Today I'm joined by Tina Mathias, Executive Director of South Bay Sustainable Communities in Chula Vista, California. So Tina, welcome to the K-12 Food Rescue Podcast. Thank you, John, for inviting me to participate in this wonderful program. Oh, no problem. I'm glad to have you. So, Tina, can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself, South Bay Sustainable Communities, and your role in the organization? Yes, I am the founder and executive director of South Bay Sustainable Communities. South Bay Sustainable Communities is a program uh, that teaches communities how to be more sustainable in their daily lives. We primarily do that by um, teaching communities how to properly compost or sort their food scraps. Um, And then we have compost hubs all throughout the South Bay um, that collects the um, food scraps from their neighbors. And um, then we turn it into their compost bin that they have on site. So, and a little bit about myself is that uh, I started at um, the Living Coast Discovery Center, which is a zoo aquarium here in San Diego, (laughs) or South Bay, and right on the San Diego uh, Bay, right on the water. Mm -hmm. And... My experience there after 32 and a half years, when I retired, when COVID hit, uh, gave me the knowledge that we needed to get more into, become part of the community, get into the community to really make an impact on climate change, and especially on reducing our food waste in the landfills. So for us to do that, I had to get into the community. No other program that I know of was doing this, uh, and also with the master composting programs that we have at the Living Coast Discovery Center. Um, sponsored by the city of Chula Vista, there was nothing going on after they left the program once they were um, certified as a master composter. So my goal is taking master composters and putting them into the community to where they could really do and make the most impact and teach the community about composting, reducing food waste, sorting food scraps. So that's what South Bay Sustainable Communities is. Got it. So you, uh, so so COVID is definitely a timeline. It kind of the organization was founded during that time, or was it a little bit before? Or? It was during COVID during in COVID. July okay. of 2020. Okay. Um, actually, I had ran a, a pilot program to see if my ideas of having one hub house collect food waste from the neighbors, and that mm-hmm. started in 2019, and it was so successful that I had been asking. Um, many people and many other organizations, hey, are you interested in taking this on in the community? Because I know it's going to grow. The new laws are here, um, SB 1383. Right. Um, and and even at, I, I was at that point in time, I was a commissioner uh, for the Sustainable Commission, Sustainability Commission for the city of Chula Vista. And then I became chair. And even during that time, I was reporting all the facts that we've noticed our neighborhoods, um, our neighborhood had come together during this. Um, I didn't even know my neighbors. I have eight, I live on a cul-de-sac at the end of a cul-de-sac, 18 neighbors up and down. And I didn't know my neighbors except for the ones on the right and ones on the left of me that lived on each side because I worked every day. And even during the first six months, I knocked on everyone's door, gave them the information saying, this is what's coming, but we need to start this now. And all of our neighbors now know each other because of this. They, yeah. they it's just an amazing community effort. And even before COVID hit, like I said, we were already sharing food, 
grow that we were growing from the compost, um, sharing recipes, helping each other out with different things in the yard. I never saw this collaboration within our community, our little neighborhood before. And it's not only here, it's growing. We have 16 neighborhoods all throughout um, South Bay and everyone's saying the same thing. So it, it, it's an amazing effort that didn't take much effort, but it's just someone knowing, um, leading the pack, I guess you could say. And then once mm. we got out there, everyone started joining. Well, it's so, yeah, it's so neat to see how it brings people together. Absolutely. So can you tell me a little bit about the first time maybe you learned about food waste uh, in our country and how kind of that intersects or intersected with South Bay community or sustainable communities? So through my years at the Living Coast Discovery Center, um, we were already working on ways to reduce um, the impact on the landfill. Our mm -hmm. landfill locally is going to be closing in 2028 if we don't do anything now. And um, we've known this for many years now, but, you know, cities take a long time to roll out any program. Yeah. <laughs> as well as SB 1383, which is... Uh, reducing food waste going into the landfill for um, the production of meth to reduce the, the production of methane as well as rescue foods that came out actually in 2016 mm -hmm. here in California yeah and it wasn't implemented until this last year so that really tells you that it takes a while for um, government to get on board uh, whereas it's uh, knowing it already uh, because of my previous job um, where I work and also being on the sustainability commission, I knew that we had to do something to really teach the community and education all throughout my many years. Um, I know that education is the first step. And if you don't have the education, people have no idea why or how. <laughs> they just see, oh, it's a law, nothing's implemented. Um, and they don't have the backing for it. So um, that was the first time I really knew, uh, learned about what was going on was primarily because of um, us working at the Living Coast Discovery Center, myself working at Living Coast Discovery Center and starting to implement um, food scrap sorting, and then um, myself being on the commission. So both of those, um, I was lucky enough to have this information. Now it was a matter of getting it out to the community. Absolutely, and I guess that kind of leads into my next question where I said, what, you know, what made you pursue food waste solutions in local schools related to their school and breakfast and lunch waste? I assume that's going to tie into your education answer that you just gave. Is that correct? Absolutely. Well, we started off first with the community, um, mm. our local community. So our first year was primarily um, just working on the acquiring more commu uh, community participation. So we started mm. off with five neighborhoods up to 12 on our first full calendar year. And we composted thirty-one thousand pounds mm. by the end of the twelve, by um, the end of the calendar year in wow. December. And that's when I said I started working with some of the teachers in programs, um, educational programs, because we also get into we we do cleanups, we do um, hikes, nature hikes, guided, because we want people to appreciate nature around them. For them to appreciate it, they need to participate in, in events. So we do that too. And I was starting to work with some of the local high school teachers in these events, acquire, make, you know, educating the students about getting out. And that's when I realized this program was so successful our first calendar year that we need to start getting into the schools because our children are the leaders in our community, true leaders of our, our community, because they're our future. That's right. And without that getting into the schools, if we just cover the top 
<laughs> if we just yeah. take care of educating the top to the bottom, I mean, not necessarily the bottom, but where we begin um, does not get, edu- there's no education. If there's no education, there is, um, I hate to say this, but no future because we've only covered educating the top tier and we really need to educate the bottom tier so that they work their way up um, mm-hmm. through life. So I started working, like I said, with those teachers. I created a game plan. We created um, how we could get work this program in the schools. We started off with one school. It was amazingly successful. We, then we got the second school on and the third school on, and it became a pilot program for the first of this year, which was the end of the school year. Um, and the first year, for the first four months was amazing, which was the, the school year for um, our program. We composted over 700 pounds between, well, we composted 660 pounds of food scraps into the local um, compost bins on site. But then we rest, um, composted the city dump, or city landfill, sorry, um, the meats, bones, and dairies that don't go into a backyard compost. Mm-hmm. And that was another 170 some odd pounds. So that's over 700 pounds yeah. that was composted. And then on top of that, what was the most amazing, and the rescued foods. And yeah. I went into this primarily looking at how to sort and reduce our waste into the landfill. I didn't realize that there was so much food that needed to be rescued in the schools. Absolutely, yeah. Amazing. And it was really shocking for me, as well as sad for me that there's this much waste. However, I was enthusiastic and so were the students because we were now rescuing that mm. and giving it back to the community. Mm. And that's the biggest part. 440 pounds, 4, 000, sorry, 4,430 pounds from those three schools for the first, our pilot program, which was the four months of last year. Four months, 4,000 pounds. And yeah. how many schools did you say? That was only three schools. So three schools averaging about, say, 1.3, 1. 1.4 thousand pounds every three or four months, right? Mm-hmm. That's, wow. Yes. Yeah. Just to, just to give our audience a feel for how much waste there is in schools that can be rescued. And in California, our... Our um, waste into landfills is our biggest component of the producer of methane. Um, in California, it's 22% of the, our waste stream. And that is something, not only do I teach the public, but I teach the students and they get it. And they realize that this is something that they could absolutely make an impact in. And as well as going home and teaching their parents. So let's talk a little bit about maybe were there any hurdles with these three schools or do you feel like it was just totally smooth sailing as you introduced all this? (laughs) I I love the giggle, yes. (laughs) There is no such thing as smooth sailing. Exactly. Especially with rescuing food in schools, I promise you. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, so some of the hurdles that we had, we we started off with um, bringing in about 30 students per each school. Mm-hmm. And that at that point, because it was it, we created it like a club, I guess you could say, sure. um, with the eco clubs. We tacked mm-hmm. on to the eco clubs of the schools. Mm-hmm. And when we started getting out there, the other kids started coming up saying, what are you doing? How can we participate? And as well as earning community service for high schoolers, that's huge. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was the best part, that the kids readily accepted what was going on. Now, the challenges were just... Every school is a little bit different. So some of the logistics, mm-hmm. um, you know, how are we going to pick up the foods? What's the easiest to do that with? 
Um, and well, then go, ahead, course, go ahead and tell our audience how you do that just out of, you know, because a lot of times that, that really bogs people down about how are we logistically going to do this. I'm curious how you're doing that in the three schools. So in the three schools, I mean, we do have a video. I mean, you want uh -huh. to post the video so that you can show that too. For sure, for sure. Um, but what we do is we collect the food scraps um, and, and we sort everything out. We have a table that has each bin labeled. And then the students take all that, um, whether they're going out and collecting it from the students um, in the yard, uh, walking around with buckets and bringing it back. And um, the table, the kids behind the table will sort it all out. And we're doing recycling too. So we're really reducing recycling, um, paper waste, uh, paper, uh, paper waste that has food on it so that cannot go into recycling. Then we also have liquids. So we drop, uh, pour the liquids, for instance, the milks and stuff that are right. um, not able to go in, in any other bin, the liquids. But then the cardboard is compost or uh, is recycled. So that will go into the recycling bin. So they really break everything down. And truly what is left in the trash bins is just plastic wrapping and that's really it. it it's pretty amazing when you see once you sort everything out how little actually goes into the waste and once all that sorted out they weigh everything out um they have a log we collect the logs monthly and enter it into the database uh and then we put them in bins so we'll have what bins and also um uh, cardboard boxes from, provided by the cafeteria to host all the food that is um being collected, all the edible food. So they put everything back. Once they collect everything, they um, weigh it all out. They put it in the correct receptacles. Recycling goes into recycling, trash days and trash bins. And um, the compost gets covered. The food scraps that are um, going to compost gets covered and goes into a storage until um, we turn it into the compost sites every two weeks. And all this is student-led. Uh, at the schools, we do have one educator that we work with, but then we have three or four leads in each, each school that's um, the students that are leading these programs. They're scheduling everyone. They're um, making sure that uh, participants, you know, the, the students come in, they check everyone in, the kids get community service, they make sure they give out the community service. And then uh, the second part of this is that we have another small team that goes now, because of our schedule is changed in the mornings, they start school later in California. So they start at 830. So the kids come in early and prep the food, uh, meaning that they'll cut out the pieces of apples that were partially eaten. So all the stuff that's going into compost now gets cut up so that when we do put it in compost into the compost bins, it's already cut up and ready to go. They remove all the labels and get it prepared. And that will sit in those buckets until we turn it in. Um, so that happens in the morning at each of the schools. And then they also wipe down all the buckets, uh, all the bins, that's the collection bins, and get it ready to be just pulled right out at lunchtime. So there's actually two um, programs going out, two schedules going on. One's a smaller schedule and we have the big schedule at lunch. And the kids run all the scheduling. We pretty much come in and what, once we're established in there, once the students are established and educated and, and they know how the routine goes, we pretty much just go in there, oversee it. Um, it. And, and if there's anything that there's a shortage on, we go drop stuff off. We will pick up the tablecloths and wash them. Um, they also get aprons with our logo on it. Um, this may, really makes the students, especially the branding, really makes the students connected to this program because right. they're part of it. They, they wear their logo aprons. They have their, their logos on the tables. So it's, it's a full program. Now, how we pick them up as adults, <laughs> they come by afterwards, 
Um, either we have a drop-off site that the teacher on her way home or their way home can uh, drop off the boxes in a location, or they leave it on a, a special table at the gate uh, where most adults would or parents would check in if they're going into the school or something. They leave those boxes full of fruit to where we could come over um, and do our round. So I do my round about 1.30-ish to 1.30 to 2, and I go pick up from all, all these schools. And there's a couple, well, a couple of schools now that are dropping off at a, uh, one of our volunteers' homes that's on the way home. So, and then I'll go pick up in the evening at that site. So there is a lot of running around. It does take work. Um, I'm working on grants right now to um, help me hire someone that could do this running around. Yeah, yeah. As an um, executive director, I'm also writing grants all the time, working with my grant writer. I have meetings all throughout the day, but I do make sure that I don't schedule anything between this time when I do my run around. Yeah. So just to clarify, the rescued food specifically um, that would that would go for hunger relief, where is that food going and, and how is that transported wherever it goes? Or is it going to share tables? Is it going to food pantries? Is it going to... So right now I work, I have an MOU with the district and it was uh-huh. officially signed um, just like two weeks ago, mm-hmm. even though we're still running this program. It's officially signed two weeks ago and um, they are working on a way to capture, when we capture the food, the rescue, the edible food, they're going to be able to take uh, that back into um, the cafeteria, wash it and run it through one more time. Right. Yeah. That's great. It, but we don't have that in place right now. Okay. Okay. And then after that second run through, then that's when we'll be able to capture it and give it back to the community. So what we're doing now is we have um, food drives in Chula Vista that are daily. In fact, I have my car packed right now with about five boxes full of apples, oranges, Asian pears, um, little cups of um, uh, fruit, you know, the little fruit cups, yeah. uh, applesauce. Uh, carrot, celery, nacho cheese packets. I don't get that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, applesauce, persimmons, you know, just all the stuff, juices, cranberries, carrots, mm-hmm. you know, all that is in my car right now, ready to go to a daily food drive that happens on the south side. Um, but we have daily food drives. We have senior food drives are for seniors, um, the Salvation Army, for instance, and I dropped them off yesterday. We have um, food drives that are uh, once a week. And that one will have this Saturday, so they will get Thursday and Friday's collection. So we have food drives all throughout Chula Vista that could take on what we have. Also, our college, our college is Southwestern College is a community college. And I don't know what their, how many students they have, but they have 1,300 students that have signed in as Food Insecure. And they've been taking this fresh fruit and loving it. Um, before that, all they pretty much had was canned and packaged stuff. So, and this so, is fresh fruit. It's so just, not. Just that, I'm, just that I'm clear on this, and for our, our audience, this is unopened and unpeeled food items um, off the trays of students that they chose not to eat for some reason that's being recycled, correct? Yeah. Correct. yeah. Awesome. And we wash everything. Um, mm-hmm. We wash it when we get back. I mean, the nacho packets, um, you know, they're. They pretty much are fine. I mean, we might rinse them off, but they don't need to be washed like the apples yeah. and the oranges do. Um, and then literally my 
my whole kitchen. I, I've been promised by this district that I will be able to use one of the cafeterias to do this. However, we're still rolling things out and trying to figure that out. But right now, um, my whole kitchen and, and dining room has tables that will have a whole bunch of food on it. Last night, it was close to oh, it was over 200 pounds. Um, yeah, that's and awesome. That is, yeah. That's only from one, two, three, four, four schools right now. And then we are adding another three schools this year. One, two, three more schools this year. And then over the next course of the next few years, our game plan over five years is to incorporate all, um, let's see, how many schools do they have in the district? They have 32 campuses. Mm. So, and then that's, that's the high school district, meaning high school and middle school. And then we're going to be also going forward, uh, working with the Chula Vista elementary school district, which has 47 campuses. So, and that's a little bit different because elementary schools will be working with the PTA on top of that. Absolutely. And I will give you a heads up on this, that, uh, in our experience in 15 years of working with schools, they, uh, elementary students waste far more, uh, food than the high school students. So you're going to be dealing with an even higher number of waste, um, there. There's a lot of factors involved in that, um, but it's just the older kids don't tend to waste as much as the younger kids do. A lot of it's due to how short a time they have to eat and the social aspect of it, you know. Yeah, I've already been checking out several of the schools here, and it's like eight to nine minutes of eating time they have. Eight to nine minutes. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So, well, I will be picking your brain, definitely, rolling out into the high elementary school so I can really um, get more information. Well, you're on the right track with PTAs because the, the success in the elementaries and really, as you probably know, in the high school, you do have to find champions within every building. It's very difficult to proceed without champions. Um, and the champions kind of, if, if they, even if they're just overseeing the students a little bit, it just changes everything when you have a supporter that's inside the building. So but it sounds like you've got a lot of support within the community, so I'm sure that's not going to be a problem. <laughs> yeah, we do. And um, we primarily have, um, and that's who are my volunteers. I cannot do this without my volunteers. I appreciate them mm. um, so much. And then even when we do our, um, these are the ones going into the schools, but then when we have our events, for instance, our um, um, cleanups, our hikes, we have the students coming out and participating in that. And it's the student leads who are the, the ones in each school that are leading the program in each school. They're the ones who are sending out the social media, who are um, keeping everyone informed, all their, their volunteers informed of what's going on in the community and encouraging them to participate. And so that's huge because now we're getting this the students out and having them appreciate this weekend, we have a restoration project on a refuge. So the students will be coming out and helping to clean are not clean, helping to uh, remove invasive plants as well as planting native species on the refuge that you can't walk on unless you're guided by you, Fish and Wildlife person, which we will have there. Um, so it's amazing what the experiences that these students will be able to have. And we're also offering rewards. So when they participate in this, their names will go into a raffle as well as um, in schools, they get a certain amount of how many points they get. You know, For instance, if they participate, uh, do a five-day schedule, uh, every five days they get a new raffle ticket. So these raffle tickets will allow them to go out kayaking with us on guided tours when we pull their names. The more times they volunteer, the more chances that they get into the raffle. Um, and so we have all these extra events and, and when they do, um, we're getting grants for this. <laughs> when we yeah, do that's great. hiking yeah. uh, and they're doing bird watching, they actually get to keep the binoculars. So these are things that we're 
um, giving initiatives and, and giving them rewards for participating in our community, as well as, you know, giving back to the community through community service. The final one is going to be going out with NOAA scientists um, on San Diego Bay to pull uh, to when they do their research and they they pull out the sea turtles. Uh, they capture the sea turtles, pull them out to make sure that they're um, tagged correctly or they have a tag on them, as well as they do some blood samples and so on and uh, measure and weigh them and then send them back out. And the students will be able to watch these scientists do this. It's only one time a year that we do it. It's at the end of the school year and it's um, at the most amazing reward. So oh, that's exciting. I'm sure they're going to look forward to that and love participating Absolutely. in that. Um, I was just in uh, actually Hawaii a couple of weeks ago and it's, you know, was with the sea turtles you know, several times. It was very cool. First, first time I've ever done that. So it was fun watching them. Um, so you know, I'm going to end the podcast, Tina, by thanking you for what you do, but also giving you a chance to say any final thought that you feel might inspire someone to get involved uh, with school food waste in their community. So the most important part is um, definitely keeping the food waste out of the landfill. Um, but the second is the, and this is what hits home the hardest is that, um, food insecurities in our area, I mean, especially in your communities, especially now with our economic situation, Mm -hmm. we have 600 families. We just found out, um, through a survey, uh, the school district, 600 families that are living in their cars and that are food insecure in, in Chula Vista. I was floored. I didn't realize it was that many. And these these are families that it's hard for them to see. I'm sure if they're going to a school that we're not participating in yet, that they're seeing all this food waste going to the trash. Yeah, they can't yeah. even, they can't. Yeah. And, and it would be, I can't imagine them going and grabbing that because, you know, in front of their friends and stuff and not in a school that we're at, that, that just wouldn't be, you know, socially acceptable for them. Um, so for them to have another avenue to get this food that, that is captured and they could bring it back to their families to feed their families, um, it's amazing. And uh, we are so thankful to be able to offer this to the community. Right now, we just as SBSC, South Bay Sustainable Communities and Y4SF, Youth for, Susta- for a Sustainable Future, that's the program we have in the schools. Um, combination of the two, we've collected and we distributed over 17,000 pounds of edible food back to the community. And just knowing that and helping these families um, with their everyday life, just, just to be able to feed themselves, is just the most um, not only rewarding, but definitely uh, gratifying that we are taking something that many kids take you know take for granted and giving it back to members of our community that can truly um utilize the food and that is just an awesome testimony of uh just what how you can change the world with just one uh, simple following the passion of your heart um, and i just so much appreciate it so if someone wanted to connect with you um, to learn more about south Bay sustainable communities and school mm-hmm. food waste solutions how might they reach you tina they can contact us from our website and it's South Bay Sustainable Communities.org. Awesome. Yeah, I know it's long, but <laughs> that's all right. Yeah. Well, that's, it's, the, it's, it's simple, though. It's the name of your organization plus.org. <laughs> you got it. So, you got it. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the K 12 Food Rescue Podcast. And I look forward to seeing uh, the amazing things happening with South Bay Communities 
or excuse me, South Bay Sustainable Communities. And I wish you the best of luck in all that you do. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having us. And I would love to bring some of our students in and um, they could tell you uh, how they are making an impact in their community. Yeah, I'm absolutely looking forward to that uh, podcast. So just let me know after you've contacted and we will we will do an episode or two with them. Wonderful. I really appreciate it. Thank you, John. Right. Have a great day, Tina. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Bye.